Praise the Lord. Psalm 124. And as you guys are turning there, join me in a brief word of prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, I cannot thank you enough for how you've already uh, made your presence known to us today. You've already revealed yourself to us, Lord, and you've already ministered to us uh, deeply, Lord, and we are so grateful. And Lord, as we uh, get into the word, we ask that you would continue to do so. Uh, speak to us the word of life, Father God, and, and Lord, we will endeavor to be doers of your word, uh, that we might bear much fruit to your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've chosen for a title today, God is on our side. Quick clarification before I go any further. He's on our side, but he didn't join our team. We joined his team. Right? He's not on our side at our beck and call for him to do whatever it is we want him to do, whatever it is. We don't direct him. He's God. But, but when we're under siege or when we're overwhelmed and we're under attack and, and whatnot, God is there for us. So I'll read this another, uh, we're still in the Psalms of Ascent. Uh, this is another of the four Psalms that David wrote that are a part of the Psalms of Ascent. Psalm 124 is. One of the 15 psalms that they sang during their pilgrimage to Jerusalem each year. And we'll start at the first verse. If it, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when people rose up against us, then they would have swallowed us up alive. When their anger was kindled against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 124 really gives us another of the many reasons to praise God. I read through these Psalms and one thing becomes evident. God takes care of his people. You hear me? God takes care of his people. In the first two verses, David says uh, an important declaration. He makes an important declaration that I want us to really take to heart. He says, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side. He says it. And then he says, let all of Israel say. Everybody, let's say, if it had not been for the Lord that was on our side. Then he lists a whole, uh, several things that happened. This means he is reflecting back. He's not in the middle of the situation anymore. This could be one of many situations referred to in the history of Israel. One being the Red Sea. Now imagine, I'll tell you what, Egypt, if God wasn't on their side, they would have remained slaves in Egypt. And they would have perished there. If it had not been for the Lord that was on their side, 
after Moses led them out and they've got Pharaoh who changed his mind and he's going after them. They got the Red Sea in front of them. So they've got a powerful enemy chasing them. They've got a Red Sea that they can't cross. There's no escape. If it had not been for the Lord who was on their side, there would have been no help for them. They would have, they would have been destroyed right there on the banks of the Red Sea, never making it to the other side. See, God can do what man cannot. God can make a way where there is no way. And there's going to be times in life where we're facing things that are beyond us. And in the moment, we don't feel God. In the moment, we don't feel him near. We don't feel that he hears us. We don't feel that that he's doing anything. And a lot of times, we feel that way, if we're honest with ourselves. We feel that way because we don't want to go through this, so the only thing we want is for it to be over. We don't care what God wants. All we know is we want it to be over. And if it keeps going, if it persists and it's not over, then God ain't listening. God don't care. God's distant. He's not close. Come on now, am I speaking the truth? But he is saying, reflecting back, he's had this, if he stares or the upward journey to Jerusalem, just picture him singing all the Psalms, and now he's here. And now he's looking back. And everything that's happened, everything that he's been through, all the times he could have lost his life, all the time that the kingdom could have been overturned and destroyed, all of those times he's reflecting back and said, we made it. We're here. How did we make it? Now that I look on it, it makes no sense that we made it. We shouldn't be here. (laughs) It's unbelievable. How? And now that the picture, he can see the full picture, he realizes, oh, there's the God factor. We wouldn't have made it but for God. Some of those things, the only reason we made it was because God was on our side. The enemy outnumbered us. The enemy wanted to wipe us out. The enemy was more powerful than us. But God was on our side. Israel shouldn't have made it past. The Hebrews should not have made it past, or Israel should not have made it past the Red Sea. They should not have made it past Pharaoh's army. But God was on their side. They should not have been able to possess the promised land. And they would not have possessed it in their own strength. But God was on their side. David should not have been able to defeat Goliath. And he wouldn't have defeated Goliath except for one thing. God was on his side. Many times the Philistines endeavored to wipe out Israel. And they failed except when Saul was king. When David became king, how many of you know the attacks didn't stop? The enemy was still determined. The kingdom wasn't conflict-free. It wasn't risk-free. They had to fight. And some of those times, things looked bleak. David remembers those times. And he's reflecting back. The one constant through it all. God was on our side. I want you to know God is on your side. I 
I'm going to ask the uh, multimedia group to play a clip from a movie. How many of you have watched Lord of the Rings? Your Christendom is not going to be called into question if you have, so don't worry. <laughs> All right? <laughs> you're, 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 you're safe. But the final movie, The Return of the King, there is a scene that really, it, it gets me every time because these little fellows, the weakest of them all, the most incapable of them all from a warrior or battle standpoint, are so honored. And I want us to, I want you to see the significance of this and we'll, we'll talk about it. It should be about a minute, minute and a half or so. Would you guys go ahead? Now, that movie is the third in the, in the, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. The, the king who addressed them as friends, Aragorn, there was a time. You know, that scene is touching when you consider the journey that they embarked upon to get to that point. There was a time when Aragorn, he is descendant from the king whose vice and weakness prevented him from destroying the ring when it was his time and he gave in to its temptation. And it plundered the kingdom in the Middle Earth into darkness under the power of Sauron. And it's the reason why they're having to fight this battle. It should have already been over. But because Aragorn is descended from him, he did not want to be king. He didn't think himself worthy. He felt the same blood ran in his veins and the same weakness was there as well. And he did not want to be king. But his destiny was to be king. And he proved himself through the journey to be a man of character a man of integrity, a man worthy to be king. But this guy is bowing to these little hobbits. You see, they shared the journey with him. There was a, a fellowship of individuals who had a pivotal role to play in deciding the outcome of the battle. Would this world be under darkness? Or would light prevail? Little Frodo had the unenviable task of carrying the ring to the only place that it could be destroyed. And the enemy's forces tried everything within his power to prevent him from being able to do it so the enemy could get the ring back. And, of course, I'm not going to give you the whole movie, but Frodo, there were times when the mission, the task that only he could perform was too much for him. Gollum had his mind all twisted up. 
the ring was speaking to him and trying to lure him in and make him give way to his temptation. And at every turn, there was danger. The enemy was attacking. It was a nonstop life or death situation. But he had Sam, his best friend, to help him bear the load. And when you think about that period in time where power, size, height, strength, skill with the sword, skill in battle, how important all of that stuff was, what difference could little hobbits make in the grand scheme of things? They're the smallest. They're the weakest. They have no skill with the sword. And it doesn't seem smart, quite frankly, to have the fate of the world in the hands of creatures so feeble. One of the things I love about this movie series is that it shows that courage can be manifested in many forms. Courage isn't just manifested when you're wearing armor and brandishing a weapon. Courage can be doing what needs to be done. Answering the call, even though you don't feel like you're up to it. Doing the hard thing when everyone else is taking the easy road. Standing on truth, even though you're going to get some blowback for it. And we don't have to be the strongest. We don't have to be the biggest. We don't have to be the tallest. We don't have to be the loudest. In order for us to represent the Lord with, with strength, with courage, and faithful obedience. I point out how, how weak they were and how incapable they were as far as the battle is concerned. I'm not even going to describe the hideous creatures that they had to battle against. But out of all the people, you see that scene play out. The king comes out. He's crowned. He's got a crown on. He's coronated. He's got his queen with him. And these little fellows bow. And the king says, he didn't say little hobbits. He says, my friends. You bow to no one. I honor you. You bow to no one. And the king bows to them. Why? Because without their contributions, victory would have eluded them. Some people, when you need help, some people you can dismiss because you've, you've taken a measure of them and you don't think there's anything they could do to help you. I wouldn't be so quick to do that because that person might be the very provision of God that you need. But as that scene plays out, it touches me because it makes me reflect back on their journey and all the peril that they faced, all the near-death experiences that they survived, all the machinations of the enemy that they had to overcome. The times they had to pick one another up when one of them was too weak to go on. And when one of them had to intervene at just the right moment to prevent the killing blow from being struck against the other. None of them could have done what they did alone, but together they defeated the enemy. They became victorious. The line of succession was repaired. The rightful king was coronated and put in place. 
Victory had been won. But had any in a series of events gone a different way, victory would not have been attainable. And that's what the psalmist is talking about here, looking back over his life, looking back over all those times. And I'm confident in a lot of those times, the psalmist may have been so consumed in self-pity that he was complaining about being in those times and had to work himself through it, just like we do today. We have a choice whenever we face adversity. Do we wallow in it? Do we hold a pity party in it? Or do we turn to the Lord in the middle of it? Do we acknowledge that we're not in this alone, that he hasn't abandoned us? In fact, not only has he not abandoned us, he's not, he's not far off, he's near. He's not absent, he's here. He hasn't abandoned me. He's walking with me here in it. So I can't allow myself to entertain the thought that God is anywhere else, that God has abandoned me because that is to believe the lie concerning him. He's here. And somehow, some way, I don't see it right now, but somehow, some way, he's going to make a way. And this situation, as frustrating as it is now, it will become part of my testimony. I'll reflect back on this day one day. And when I reflect back, I will see the goodness of God. I may not see it now, but there's a time I'll reflect back and see the goodness of God. Are you hearing me today? So let's, uh, let, let's go back. Verse 3, after he says twice that the Lord had not been on our side, when people rose up against us, it didn't necessarily just say enemies, but when people rose up against us, anybody can rise up against you for any reason. They can be people from outside your family or inside your family. And this thing is irritating me. They can be from your neighborhood, your block. They can be from the other side of the track. Anybody can rise up against you. But this isn't just, this isn't just anybody. When people rose up against us, you can look at, listen to this. Then they would have swallowed us up alive. This isn't just a person. This isn't just a small group. This is a vast, like a military, like an army. This is a, this is a vast enemy as far as the eye can see, a multitude of combatants in a single army. They would have swallowed us up alive when their anger was kindled against us. So they're angry at them. Then the flood would have swept us away. This is not just talking about a literal flood. This is figurative. The enemy would have swept in like a flood and they would have been swept away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. And so he seems to be painting a picture of there would have been total annihilation. That's how devastating, potentially devastating the situation was. This wasn't like a boxing match and you lose a round or two. This was Either we survive or the very memory of us is gone. So total the destruction would be. And to me, that makes it more powerful because just like with Pharaoh's army, 
We knew the Israelites could not handle that. They would have been wiped out. God's intervention is that much more powerful because of how devastating, how big, how overwhelming the enemy was. And God wants to show himself strong on our behalf, that we need to be able to see his deliverance when there seems to be no way. How many of you know, remember when Paul said, I want to know him and the power of his resurrection? and the fellowship of his sufferings. This is part of that fellowship of his sufferings, that there are going to be situations that God allows us to encounter, that God allows us to face, that's going to require us to turn to him and for him to deliver us out of those situations in ways that is obvious that it was him, that if it wasn't for God, there's no way we could have gotten that outcome. And are we willing to accept that? For God to get the glory, are we willing, are we willing to join him in the fellowship of his sufferings? I'll tell you for sure we won't be if we are unable to remember that he is with us always in every situation. He's on our side. No matter how bad it gets, no matter how bleak it looks, God is with us. Do you you believe that today? I mean, we all brought something to the altar of the Lord today. We all brought something to him that, that needed healing. Acknowledging that he's the one to turn to. Acknowledging that in our weakness, we are unable in our own strength to deal with or overcome this. So God, we bring this to you because you can do all things. Are you hearing me? And so you might feel that the flood is about to sweep you away, that the strong current, the torrent is going over you, that the waters are raging in your life. Let this psalm be an encouragement to you that God is on your side. And he will not let you drown. He will not let you be wiped out. He will not let you be overtaken. He will not let you be destroyed. Verse 6, blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. So this verse 6 paints the enemy as a predator, bearing its teeth, bearing its fangs. And he's like, God delivered us from their teeth. We didn't do it. God did it. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowler. The snare is broken and we have escaped. I want to say here, while it does say we have escaped and it gives the impression, it almost gives the impression that they escaped on their own two feet, that they escaped from some Mission Impossible style breakout. But, but it was God's work. They escaped because of what God had done. It says, we have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers, but it adds more context. The snare is broken. Somebody broke the snare. And God broke the snare. And because God broke the snare, it created an opening for the birds who were ensnared in there to go free. And I want to encourage you with that today. You may be ensnared, but you have a God that's on your side who will break that snare. The bondage you've been in, God breaks the bonds so that you can walk out free. 
but turn to him, the only one who can set you free. Are you hearing me? It's too much for you, but nothing's too hard for God. You know, uh, we, we, we need to not just amen that. We need to embrace that. We need to believe that. We need to act on that. It's one thing to read it. It's another thing. It's one thing to say that it sounds nice, but at some point, we've got to get about the doing of God's word. We've got to get to the point to, okay, God, I'm going all in now. I'm just diving right in. Uh, I've been kind of one foot in, one foot out. I've, uh, I've been kind of wishy-washy, but now it's time for me to be like Abraham. That When it says that, Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. At that moment, Abraham said, I'm all in. Uh, It's not just mental assent to God's word. Uh, I am committed. I am basing my entire life on the truth of his word. I'm basing my entire life on what God says. And if God says it, that's all I need to know. If what he tells me to do, it's done. What he requires of me, it's done. There's no yeah, buts. There's no what ifs. There's none of that. It is yes, Lord. When God told him to go, And he just told him to keep going that way. I'll let you know when you get there. You try, you try taking that message to your wife. Yeah, all these friends and family that we've known our whole lives. Yeah, God said we got to leave them. For what? Where are we going? He'll let us know when we get there. Somehow I doubt that that would just be... That's all the discussion that would be necessary, and he'd just get an okay. We're going to go to another country, some foreign land. God's only, I don't know what that country is going to be. I don't know what that foreign land is going to be. I don't know what the people are like over there. I don't know what the terrain is like. The only thing I do know, God's giving me a snippet. He just told me to go a certain direction and keep going until I get further directions. Imagine that. Abraham, and he's referred to as the father of the faith. He's the one that we are told to have faith like that of Abraham. See, it it takes faith to believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. You know, by grace through faith are we saved. But that's just the beginning of the faith walk. And the faith walk is one of constant trust in the Lord, constant walking in faith, full obedience to the Lord, to where God directs our lives now. It's not us directing our lives and we invite God to have a say when, when it suits us. It's what God says goes. That's the faith Abraham had when he was willing to obey God in the sacrifice of his son. God never intended to allow him to go through with it, but Abraham reckoned within himself. Either God is going to provide himself a lamb or he's going to raise this boy back from the dead after he makes me kill him because God gave me a promise that I was going to become the father of many nations through this son. And God doesn't break his promises. So I don't know how he's going to do it, but I'm not going to let me not knowing prevent me from obeying what I know he told me to do. I'm just going to trust God. That's the faith of Abraham. And we need to know that so that we can take the challenge to embrace faith on that level, to walk with God without making deals with God, without bartering with God,
but God, I just want to hear you. And when you speak to me, my posture before you is yes, Lord. Why am I saying that? I'm saying that because if we want those those amazing Red Sea moments, those David and Goliath moments, those, those moments that we reflect back on and say that if God hadn't been on our side, then, then everything would have been lost. Then we're going to have to walk right with God to where we're going to be walking in faith and obedience to God where we're in the path that he's called us to be, that we're encountering we're encountering opposition while walking in obedience to God. We're not Jonah going the opposite direction because he thought God was out of his mind wanting him to preach to the Ninevites. We're walking in obedience with God. Make, do not make the mistake of thinking that if you're walking in obedience with God, then rose petals and smooth terrain is all you're going to experience. There will be battles. There will be attacks. There will be hardships. There will be challenges. And you won't like going through them when you're going through them, but there will come a time when you are, when you're you're at the peak of the mountain. You're in that place of, finally in that place of peace and rest, You can reflect back on all the great things that God has done for you. So what will it take? Joshua 1, uh, really verse 9, but I'm going to read verse 8 and 9 uh, as we begin to wind down the message here. It says, this, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. For us, it's the word of God, the Bible. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Here here is the relevant part of today's message. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. Why? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. See, God is on your side. He's with you wherever you go. I would even go so far to say, even during a period in your life where you're walking in disobedience to him, God may not be giving you his favor, but he's with you wherever you go. It is his goodness that will lead you to repentance. He's not abandoning you. Now, he's not going to aid you in your sin, but he hasn't abandoned you. He's with you. And he'll work in your life in a way that will help turn you and get you back on the right path. He's he's a God that loves you. He's with you wherever you go. How many places is wherever you go? Right? Wherever you go. Uh, Isaiah 41. Similar. It's really verse 10, but I'm going to read verses 8 through 10. But you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend, you whom I took from the ends of the earth and called from its farthest corners, saying to you, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not cast you off. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Now notice, in Joshua it said, be strong 
and courageous. Now, did he say that was a suggestion for us to be strong and courageous? What did he say? Yeah, he said, for I have commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Don't be dismayed because I'm with you. Here in Isaiah 41, verse 10, he says, fear not. Again, why? For I am with you. Notice how he keeps tying it together, right? I am with you. I'm on your side. I have not abandoned you. I have not cut you off. A lot of times when we're facing the challenges of life, it feels like God is not there. We've got to press through that and not let our feels lie to us. Not allow that to take root in our hearts and in our minds, but reminding ourselves that he said he'll never leave me, nor forsake me. God is here. And if God is here, my presence is, uh, my, uh, uh, um, if God is here, then my help is here. His divine help, his ability to divinely intervene and make a way where there seems to be no way. So I can't look at my situation in the natural and make a determination that there is no victory to be had here because it, that conclusion is what, you, is what you reach in the absence of God being present in your mind. Right? And so let's not decide the outcome before we've given God the opportunities to do what only he can do. I hope that's making sense to you today. But it starts with recognizing that he's the one who's on our side is present with us in the situation. Amen. Worsening circumstances does not mean an absence of God. He's present. And if we can remind ourselves and convince ourselves that he's present, that will, that will enable us to reach the point to where we can be strong and courageous. Not because that's just, we're just that strong and we're just that amazing, but because our God is with us. Amen. Our all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God who can do exceeding abundantly above all that I could even ask or think. Imagine that. So he says, fear not because I'm with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. God is your God. He's on your side. Amen. My God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He's your God. My God will not abandon me. My God loves me. My God is here for me. I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. Think of, highlight all of those I wills and apply that to you and your situation. That's what God presents himself to you. There in verse 10 of Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's five promises God's given you in one verse right there. And if you need all that, if you need to be strengthened, if you need help, if you need to be upheld, that means you're going through something. Doesn't it? Yes. Why else would you need all of that? <laughs> right? And so we've got to embrace God and, and, and not be so sorrowful that we're having to go through what we're going through that we forget to engage God in the truth of who he is and, and what he is to us. What's his promises that are available to us in that moment. Um, Psalm 23, I'm going to read through that. Um, this will not be the first time many of you have heard this, but 
We're going to go through it, starting at verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This, you know, he's going through it here. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil. Why? Because you are with me. He's with you. See, he draws strength from the presence of God, knowing that God, the God of his salvation, is present with him in the valley of the shadow of death. I want to point out something else through. He says, yea, though I walk through. He's not building a house in the valley of the shadow of evil. In other words, there is an end date. There is a time at which I'll come out on the other side. But while I'm in here, I'm not in here alone. He's present with me. And so I take solace. I take comfort in that. I can't take comfort in the circumstances, but I can take comfort in the fact that my God is with me in the circumstances. And because of that, I'm going to come out of this circumstance better than I was when I went into it. As a matter of fact, the previous verse before that, while he's walking through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. You know, you can be in the valley of the shadow of death as long as you're in tune and plugged in with God. He's going to be leading you in paths of righteousness if you're walking in obedience with him. Those paths of righteousness will lead you out to the other side. And not only will the purposes of God for your life pan out, but also the purpose of God and how he knows he needs to work in your heart will be done as you obey him and as he leads you through that time. If you're committed to walking in obedience with him, you'll be walking in paths of righteousness while the enemy is bearing down on you. The valley of the shadow of death is darkness. Visibility is limited, which is probably good for us because the clearer it is, the more we'll be tempted to plot our own course and to figure out things based on what makes the most sense to us. But the less visibility, it, it requires us to trust God. God, I don't know where to go. I don't know what's the right direction. I don't want a way out of this. So, we, it's beyond us, which, which, uh, which instead forces us to focus on God, the only one who can lead us through it. And there are times in life where God just hems us in, and he could answer our questions, but he doesn't. Because he doesn't want the conversation that we want him to have. He wants us to approach him humbly and yield to him so that we can have the conversation that he wants to have. So that he can deal with us the way he wants to deal with us. So he can prepare us for the road that's to come. And so let's, let, let's give him the ability to do that in our lives by yielding to him and, uh, and just trust him in those moments. And I will, I won't expound on it. I'll just share the last uh, verse that I have is Romans 8, verses 31 and 32. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things. I want you to remember that about your, about your God. He's on your side. 
He's with you. He's for you. And if God is for you, there is not a person, a being, an entity, an institution (laughs) that can stand against you. If you're ever tempted to question God, God's devotion to you, God's commitment to you, how much God has got your back, how much he cares about you. Let verse 32 help resolve any of that. Because he says, let's remember, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Jesus, his only begotten son, he did not spare him. When Jesus cried out to him in the Garden of Gethsemane, he got silence back. If there's another way, silence. If there's another way. But he yielded to the Father, but not my will, but yours be done. God didn't need to answer that. God didn't need to answer because if there's silence, then that means Things remain as they were. He got to go to the cross. And a lot of times we're like, well, I don't hear God. Well, what are you asking God? Are you seeking his will? Are you yielding to him? Or are you trying to have a conversation with God that you want to have? And God's not trying to be pulled into that conversation. If, if you don't feel that God is speaking, either you're trying to have the wrong conversation or you're wanting God to amend something that God has already clearly spoken to you. You want him to change it, and his silence means no. No, sir. No, ma'am. It is as I have said it is. But... He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. He gave up his son for you. And if he did that, how will he not also with him, with his son, graciously give us all things? So whatever you need in your situation, God will graciously give to you. It says, how will he not? He gave his only begotten son. That's the most precious thing. How will he not, having redeemed you through his son, not graciously bless you through his son? So I know you're in it. I know you might be going through some stuff. And I wish I could stand here and and tell you it's going to be over with by sundown tell you it's going to be over with in a couple days. I can't do that. It would be foolishness for me to say. And that would be totally from my heart, from my flesh. It wouldn't be from the Lord. But what I can do is what I've done throughout this message is encourage you with the fact that no matter how alone you feel, you're not alone. God is with you. You're not in a long-distance relationship. You know, they say those never work. You're not in a long-distance relationship with God. He's near you. He's with you in it. He may feel like he's distant, but he's not. So I would encourage you to remain rooted and grounded in the truth. What does the word say about God? And his heart for us. What does it say about God uh, and his promises toward us? And you're going to have to use the truth of his word to combat the feelings and thoughts that are contrary to biblical truth. Hallelujah. I feel like. The Lord has ministered to us after our worship. I'm going to ask you guys to 
uh, to stand, though. And we didn't do this song. I'm going to ask the sound booth to play Waymaker. And there may be some who didn't come up earlier today. Maybe God has spoken to you in the, through the word. And it's an opportunity for you to do something definite, to bring your, your trial to the Lord. Maybe you've not been acknowledging his presence. Maybe that's been an area of struggle for you. You felt abandoned by God. You felt stabbed in the back by God, betrayed by God. You're angry at God. I'm going to invite you to do something with that. I'm, I'm going to invite you to come on up and cast it at his feet because he cares for you. I'm telling you to really own it, confess it to him, and just, and then to renounce it, let it go. God, I've carried this against you, but I won't carry it anymore. I won't carry those lies in my heart. I won't believe those lies anymore. I thought that you abandoned me but now I know that you are with me. And I present myself to you. With a repentant heart. And ask you. Not only to forgive me. But to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. to speak to me to minister to me as only you can if that's if that's you in any way then come on and step up and let's do business with God thank you Lord and if there's no one then we'll we'll close it up we'll, I'll give it a minute Sharon, who has lost a daughter, just found out through Facebook and, and from her own words, Father, it's just, it's, it's surreal. She never thought that she would experience such a thing in life and she's, she's obviously struggling. Father, I just pray that you would, that you would have an overwhelming amount of support available to her, Lord, and she's had many people reach out to her. She's not really answering calls right now. It's understandable. She's grieving and still processing things and when she's ready, Father God, I pray that she has everything that she needs as far as healing, comfort, consolation, Father God, people who are really there for her to help, to give her the gift of presence as she processes her way through the stages of grief. Make her to know your presence in that deep, dark place, that level of pain, the burying a child. And so let her know your presence, Father God, in a special way. Let her know what David 
learned as he expressed through Psalm 124. Let her see you present. Let her see you as her help in every way. We honor you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. I do uh, hope you all were blessed today through the worship and the word and that that you've really done business with God, that God has really ministered to you where you're at. And if you leave here with nothing else, just know that God is with you. He cares for you. And he is your help. He's all the help that you need. The final verse in Psalm 124 says, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Your help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. Be encouraged. God's got a a way prepared for you. He's going to break the snare and you're going to be free. Amen. Um, Lord, bless you guys. Um, Dominique, you guys...